The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Back to the RTE debacle. There is so much to get through. We are joined by Lorcan Nine, head of communication, head of training at the Communications Clinic, by Seamus Dooley, the Irish Secretary of the NUJ, and first by one of the members of the Oireachtas Committee, Senator Marie Sherlock, who was one of those who has questioned the RTE executives today. Uh, Marie, did you get much out of today's hearing so far? Do you think? Well, I, I think, in fairness, we, we got a, quite a bit of documentation overnight. Um, and I think uh, in terms of the hearing today, um, I, I think there was a, an admission of just the many mistakes and cover-ups that we've had over the past week. Like, I think one of the most serious issues for me is that there was a, a letter of guarantee to Ryan Tuberty in 2020, the middle of 2020, when the country was in a pandemic, he was signing a five-year contract and there was a guarantee of no reductions during that five-year term. And just eight months later, um, RTE executives presented a pay cut proposal to the staff of RTE. And that, you know, those who had knowledge of this letter with the guarantee of no pay cut to Ryan Tuberty did not put up their hands at an executive meeting and say, actually, there is an issue here. Like, is in, you know, I think really that's, it, 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 it beggars belief. Um, I, I think what we have really learned is in terms of the expenditure through the barter account. Uh, and I suppose some of that is eye-watering. And again, I think uh, Brendan Griffin went through it in probably most detail today, uh, you know, I suppose highlighting just the trips that were taken, the expenditure. But, but one of the questions that I certainly had was the degree to which the board or indeed presenters were wheeled out to, to engage with sponsors that were actually part of that client hospitality. And the answer back was that, you know, the members of the board or members of the executive or the present, top presenters we're not part of that client hospitality. Um, So so we have got some greater clarity today about how RT works, but I think there's still a lot of of questions to be asked as well. I was just chatting off here before we started here with Lorcan Nyan about the issue of what the chair, Shuan Nirali, had to say about the executive management. And earlier I said to Daniel McConnell on air, in 35 years of writing about business and corporate life in Ireland, I've never heard a chair actually eviscerate their own management in that way. What did you make of it? Look, I think, you know, Shuni Rahalik made it very clear last week that there needs to be very serious reform now um, in order to ensure that, you know, RT survives this and, 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 and of course, goes on to be stronger and better. Um, and, 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 you know, I think those questions about the tenability of the positions, uh, you know, the, the, the persons who sit in the executive, I think she was, you know, certainly cast a, a major question over that. Also cast a major question over the the auditing of, of RT as well, like as in a was the case, the controller auditor and auditor general would review the books of RT that at a particular period, that was no longer the case. And I think her very clear call is that there needs to be greater accountability uh, and oversight of RT and its finances and that it no longer can kind of run it's it's um you, you know it's operations and in a in a manner that I think many of the public find you know really distasteful and I suppose to be to be you know clear like the, the the head of commercial kind of has made clear that what she was doing was part and parcel of you know what goes on in any you know media outlet um, but I think. You know, most of us would assume that people want to advertise with RT, the biggest broadcaster in the country, as with RT having to try and, 
you know, go to uh, incredible lengths, you know, to, to wine and dine clients. Um, uh, Sorry, that that wasn't necessary because they were going to get the business anyway. Well, I think the thing is, like that, that to me is, 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 is the question that's repeated going around in my head that like is in that, you know, yes, I understand that in terms of trying to bring in, our, you know, the reliance of RT on commercial revenues. 145 million euros in commercial revenues requires a lot of work in bringing that in. But the reality is that, like, as in anybody who's advertising an RTE is advertising to a massive audience. And so I think there are questions about with an, an incoming uh, commercial director, does RT have to go to those lengths to ensure that um, that it, it brings in that commercial revenue? Or, the, uh, you know, do, do, we, do we need to be spending those sums on client hospitality? Um, to, 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 to bring in the, 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 that, that commercial revenue. So I think, I think there are some of the questions from today. I think the other important, obviously, development is that Ryan Tuberty and his agent, Noel, Noel Kelly, have agreed to come before the committee next week. We also had sight of Ryan Tuberty's um, contract, which threw up some interesting um, uh, features as well. Such as? Well, I suppose the thing that really caught my eye was in terms of, um, well, well as, as, as a standard in most uh, presenters' contracts, there's a kind of a, a clause precluding them from, from working for other stations. But it makes specific reference to the BBC. Now, as I understand it, it's been quite a number of years since the, Ryan Tuberty did the kind of the stand-in summer shows on the BBC. He's publicly expressed a, a, a lack of interest in going back to the BBC. And yet in the contract that was negotiated in 2020, there was um, uh, you know, a clause put in that he couldn't work for other stations and particularly the BBC. And, and I suppose my question has to be now, well, you know, what was extracted in return by the agent um, uh, in terms of fees for, 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 for getting that clause in? Were RT so worried? You know, like I said, do they really have genuine grounds to, to worry that, that Ryan Tuberty was going to the BBC, I think is the question. And B, why was Noel Kelly able to extract for, in terms of allowing that sort of clause to go into Ryan Tuberty's contract? But overall, I suppose that the big question to me is when I look at Ryan Tuberty's contract, you know, to me, to all intents and purposes, he looks like an employee and yes, he's paid, uh, you know, uh, like it's it, it arranged on a contractor basis. And I think fundamentally, that contractor model is is part of the problem of, uh, uh, and part of the reason we're in this, you know, fiasco with RT now. Thank you very much, Senator Marie Sherlock of the Labour Party. Seamus Dooley from the National Union of Journalists. That's an interesting point brought up by Marie because... One of the big things as well that came out questioning today was the whole issue of bogus self-employment at RTE uh, and the contingent liability, the, the money that it still might have to pay out in relation to that. The executives claimed that they couldn't say because of commercial sensitivities. What commercial sensitivities? Is that actually appropriate when most PLC company accounts annually that I've read over the years when there's a contingent liability, it's detailed in the notes to the accounts. Yeah, that's absolute nonsense. RTE is a public service broadcaster that uh, it is accountable to the Irish people. And there is, you know, I, I get really frustrated that this attempt at hiding behind commercial sensitivity and the C word is used for, to defend all sorts of things. I just don't accept that. Try being a financial journalist when you're actually asking questions and always been told, oh, we can't tell you that commercial sensitivities or the data protection or whatever. But it is a sizable issue, isn't it, this bogus self-employment? It is quite extraordinary to think that there have been cases in relation to 
a state, semi-state company being involved in what has been proven to be bogus self-employment contracts for people of all types of job descriptions. I'm very proud of the fact that the NUJ led the campaign against bogus self-employment in RPE. We were responsible for with SIP 2 for 84 and 85 people securing proper employment rights. When D Forbes joined RTE, uh, the first thing she did was, was meet uh, not, not RTE workers, but independent producers and people that she called frenemies, enemies who were friends. I'll revisit that often. But in fact, when we did finally meet her, I told her that one of the first things she needed to do was sort out the issue of bogus self employment. Uh, this was an issue, it's not appropriate, and I agree with Marie Sherlock. The whole notion of uh, people who are, for all intents and purposes, employees, and there's a series of checklists that are available on the Department of Social Protection website and revenue websites, control, direction, all of those kind of issues. There, you know, there's no justification for people who, do, who meet those criteria not to be employees, and there's two sides to the coin. There's the people who are forced to regard themselves as self-employed because otherwise they would not have had a job. They're the bogus self-employed. And then there's the people who have an agent who registers companies and who cream it on the back of everyone else. Okay, now something else that came up today was the issue of the toy show, the musical. So let's hear a little bit of how the RT Director of Strategy, Rory Coveney, uh, responded when questioned by Brendan Griffin on losses of €2.2 million Euro for the musical. If, if I'm not sure it was anyone, it was anyone here at the show, but um, those who attended it um, absolutely loved it, particularly children. Um, it clearly wasn't a commercial success, but it wasn't from a lack of effort from everyone involved. Um, we did a huge amount of work um, trying to model what... Um, how was it paid for? How was it, the losses, how were they paid for? From RT funds. Lorcan do you think has there ever been a more expensive production of a musical or a show in Ireland? I don't think so, particularly not one that lost uh, that amount of money. And I think this is the type of thing that you know comes from Broadway. I had to sort of closes down after a couple of nights with massive losses. Although on Broadway they tend to do things, they test them out off Broadway first before moving them. This seems that they seem to have gone from one to one hundred at warp pace to put this thing up on stage. Yeah, somebody had the idea, they got the go-ahead and then d- just went ahead with it without maybe a huge amount of thought behind it. And I think it, it's interesting uh, part of this story f- for two reasons. Number one, it's one of those real tangible examples now of a wider incompetence or, or a wider issue in delivery with an RTE and it's something people will remember and that figure they'll remember. But also, it does speak to, to the, the dual role that RTE have, that that commercial role and then the public service role that they have and the fact that there seems to be a clash between those two. Because... They've done a brilliant job building up the Toy Show brand over a number of years. But that it's a public service. It's something that almost feels like it belongs to the Irish people, the Toy Show. So should they be even trying to commercially bank that and maybe dilute the brand and dilute the impact of it by turning into a toy show should they do the Irish public need what is effectively another panto or a competition for the panto at Christmas well, sorry, when there are Richard, private companies doing that and it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, a limited amount of people are going to go to a panto or a toy show or the musical so should they be in there in the first place did they have the competence to deliver on it have they done something like that before probably not so why were they able to even try from scratch to do it so it raises a lot of questions in fact, you put your finger on something. An awful lot of those who had been running Pantos for years were furious about the state 
putting so much money into competition to them at the time. And that's it. And RT are in, are in a prized position. Whether they like to admit it or not, they are. You know, they're the public service broadcaster. They have the main radio sh- station. They have the, the main television station. They have huge advertising space that they can use. They have a huge brand that they can use. So it's very hard for private businesses to compete with RT. So RT have those advantages disadvantages come with that as well and I don't think they've been paid attention to what the disadvantages should be they should be spending money better they should know the return on the investment better and they probably shouldn't be allowed to do things even if it were commercially that decision should be questioned as should you have even tried it in the first place Is it also the case that maybe they became a little bit too much caught up in their own self-publicity about the toy show and the Late Late Show and thought it was something bigger than it actually is I think they probably thought that it was more bankable and that regardless of what happened, the toy show name itself would blow the competition out of the water and, and it would be a, a commercial arm for them. But again, I think that decision by itself needs to be questioned um, and whether they had the, the competence to deliver, obviously they didn't if they lost 2.2 million, whether the kids who went to it loved it or not. Seamus Dooley, something that Lorcan Nine there has put his finger on as well is the issue as to whether RTE is a public sector broadcaster or whether it is a commercial entity because many of those in the non-public sector media, the commercial sector, feel that the dominant monopoly player is actually the one backed by the licence fee, that RT has had the best of both worlds and has exploited that. What's your feeling, given that you you represent members who work for many other organisations as well outside of RT? RT is a public sector broadcaster with a dual funding model, and therefore that's the commercial dimension. Uh, And... We have always had concern about that, and, and you know, I've just been rereading a book written, written in 1969 by Lizzie Doolin, Jack Dowling, and Bob Green called Sit Down and Be Counted, where this very issue was discussed. And in fact, reading it over the weekend, it, it, it could have applied to, to what we're currently talking about. So, this is not a new debate. Um, I think that it is in some ways uh, irrelevant to where we're at because. Only to this extent, what happened were not, was not a result of sound commercial decisions. The theory is that the commercial uh, revenue is used to fund the public service broadcasting model for our activities. But in fact, these are not legitimate commercial activities. These are gaps. As Marie says, you know, why would you be spending money whining and dining with people who are going to give you advertising anyway? Why do you go on some sort of a, a mad ad- madcap adventure of uh, producing a panto? Bizarrely, in comp- as well down the road, one of your biggest stars, Marty Morrissey, is actually in a panto with someone else. The whole thing lacked any sort of credibility. And the, you know, the notion of you know, hiring, um, of enrolling in membership with the Soho Club as a, a meeting venue, our head office is in London. There's no, you know, there's loads of meeting rooms in, uh, in London without membership of an exclusive club. This is sort of extravagant nonsense that uh, gives public sector broadcasting a bad name. Public interest journalism is practiced both by you know, the public and private sector. There is, you know, I would prefer a different model, but we do have a dual model. But within that, there's a, an obligation on our management to meet the commercial needs in a sensible way. You and I work together in the window, and you know, I know from your knowledge of business, I think you would agree that there is no world of business where someone would tolerate that kind of extravagance on the basis that if we're nice to people, 
they're going to give us advertising. People don't advertise because they get nice dinners or trips. They advertise because it's good for business and it, 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 it helps generate, generate business for them. Seamus Dooley from the NUJ, thank you for being with us. Lorcan 9, here's another listener text. Just home from work, going through my post and a small, uh, right in the middle of the whole lot, there is a reminder to pay my TV licence. How come they know when my licence is due but don't know who's paid what? The Muppets. Now, in fairness, Unpost does the collection of the TV licence, so they're the ones who know. But we are getting lots of people who are texting and saying, I'm not paying my TV licence for the money to be spent in this way. From a strictly financial point of view, how much of a crisis might RT be facing now in that it already is finding it hard for us to collect all the money to hand over to it that it is due on the licence that there are many people now who will say, well, to hell with that for a game of soldiers. Yeah, unless they rapidly repair their reputation, um, that is going to become an issue. It's inevitable it's going to become an issue because people will be able to not pay and not feel bad about themselves. Do you know, and that, that's that's the, the core of it, where they'll be able to say, do you know what, actually, no, they're not spending the money properly. Brendan Griffin had a, had a nice analogy today where it was the, the money lost on Toy Show the Musical was the same as all the licence fee that would have been paid out of Tralee and Killar um, combined. So again, if you're you know if you're in Trilly or Clarity, that is what you're looking at. You're saying, well, that's what you're doing with the money that I'm spending. So I I don't I think it, what RT do is so important that this is why it's really an issue long term. Is that will happen? People but will not pay. Eight months to do a review, starting at the end of August, and we report in March. I know there'll be some interim reports, but how the hell does Kevin Backhurst coming in as the new boss on Monday try and get on with the production of the content which is the public service requirement on radio and television if there's going to be this uncertainty for the next eight months as to what the future of the organisation is going to be. Yeah, look, and that's been one of the issues, I think, even even since the story started. In And I think uh, Leo Riker referenced today that that drip feed of information, like they need to try to get everything out as early as possible so that the, the damage can all be done at once. And so the reputation and the, the repair job can start because if it's going to consistently be pulled from them, in you know response to requests, respond responding for asking for the information, they need to try to get all the information together, get it all out there. It's it won't be pretty, it won't be good, and then say here is now what we're doing about it. These people have apologised. These people have acknowledged. I am acting. Here's how we'll repair trust. And finally, what about the reputation of the executive management, given that they were thrashed by their own chairman today, who expressed her anger at not getting the adequate information in a timely fashion from her own management? And I think that's one of the stories from today is that there was a shift in focus from the people at the committee where it was a little bit of change to individual reputation management rather than group reputation management, um, in that obviously the, the chair has been very clear that she's part of the solution. Um, and not happy with what has been going on and, and really defended their record in dealing with this crisis and that they're the ones who asked for, for the audits, they're the ones who are dealing with it. You then obviously had the former uh, CFO, Breed O'Keefe, who's very strongly defending what she knew about and what she didn't know about. You had the commercial director very strongly saying, I brought in X amount of, of money and I am being attacked here and I shouldn't be. So there's been a shift there onto kind of individual defensive play. Um, and so, look, you can see why that happens. People, people are under pressure, but that was an interesting shift in focus today so who knows what will happen the listener says at least some people got to see the toy show the musical we were one of the families who travelled by train from Killarney and we were sitting in the theatre when it was cancelled having spent money on the train trip and all the other bits that a day out in Dublin brings 
an expensive thing indeed. I don't think there was compensation for that. Thank you very much, Lorcan Nine from the Communications Clinic for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.